This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Top 500 keynotes and more. Highlights from ISC 2021. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special live edition of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research and HPC Wire. This is part of a special live ISC event. We don't normally do live podcasts, so those of you who are fans of the This Week in HPC podcast get to hear what this sounds like when we don't get edited at all. And it may be, uh, may be better, maybe worse, but I guess, Tiffany, we're going to find out. I'm, I'm really uh, happy to be doing this. And this week in HPC, of course, it was ISC, and that starts off every year with the top 500 list. We've got a lot to go through, Tiffany, so let's dive in. Top 500, Fugaku, again, number one. Yep, number one. So this is a 57 top 500 debut this week with only one change in the top 10, four changes in the top 20, and uh, 58 new entrants across the list. So Japan's on top, Fugaku, 442 High-performance Limpack Petaflops um, stood up last June a year ago by Riken in partnership with Fujitsu, at, um, and uh, now this is uh, the third iteration. Um, it has uh, 159,000 nodes, uh, each with one A uh, A64FX ARM CPU, and uh, Fugaku swept not just the high-performance Limpack, but also the HPCG, the Graph 500, uh, the new HPL AI benchmark, and it, it did pretty well on the Green 500 too. It's such an extraordinary system. And of course, we've talked about it many a time before. It's not the first time it's been on top of the top 500 list, but worthwhile to go through it again. Anytime you get a system with that kind of staying power as the pinnacle of supercomputing, it's really worth mentioning again. Now, we do have a lot of other stuff to get through. Let's look at the other new entrant in the top 10, which is the Perlmutter system at NERSC. Uh, yep, Perlmutter, they just had their inauguration ceremony about a month ago. Um, it's got the uh, the biggest HPE Cray uh, Shasta, what we used to call Shasta system installed so far. So this is using the HPE Cray uh, XE, um, the, uh, or, uh, the AMD Milans, the NVIDIA A100s, the um, HPE's slingshot technology, uh, and then it's the namesake of Saul Perlmutter which um, yeah, uh, is the namesake of Saul Perlmutter from, from, from Nurse Lab, Berkeley Lab. Um, and then the system delivered 65.69 Limpac R max of petaflops out of a potential R peak of 93.75. Um, so hit 70% uh, Limpac efficiency there. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's a, and it's a big, big win, big win for uh, HPE, big win for AMD there. Yeah, I appreciate, by the way, you being there with all the statistics on that. I've, I've got other things here, but uh, I did not have all those stats at the ready. But the Perlmutter system, the interesting thing I wanted to say about it is that this has essentially become the pre-exascale system for the United States in the sense that it's the same Shasta architecture from HPE Cray. Uh, and we start to get a look at what are these exascale systems going to be like. It's funny because the Summit and Sierra systems from IBM are still up there. And those 
those would have been the ones that we would have called the pre-exascale systems that were up in those hundreds of teraflops. But the architecture is now totally changed. And, and we've had IBM kind of exiting from the HPC market. We're not really talking about power systems anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which is a shame for NVIDIA, which you know dominated with the GPUs on that platform. But I, I don't tend to think of Summit and Sierra as pre-exascale the same way anymore. This NERSC system is, and we're going to come back around on exascale. But speaking of pre-exascale, that Perlmutter is not the only one because we're also seeing the Atos systems for Euro HPC. Yeah, so Euro HPC is is hitting its its mark here. Four of the eight Euro HPC systems were delivered on schedule and debut on this list. Um, These are the pre-exascale systems. Two of them, two of the systems have two partitions. So there's actually six systems entering the list. Two are made by HPE and four by Atos. Um, so it's a good it's a good year for Atos. And then there's several more systems that are going to be coming out of that program. Um, you know that uh, will be stood up fairly soon. And then the, the final system, um, kind of interestingly, is Mare Nostrum, and that's the final and largest. And we learned some some interesting, some kind of like dirty laundry was there this week. Um, they had to cancel their, which happens all the time. It's, it's not really unique. It just doesn't always hit the, the public. Um, but they uh, they had to redo their tender and those details came to light. Um, just this uh, stuff we can go into another time, but the split an opinion as to uh, whether to award the contracts based on best performance or to weight it more for like pro-domestic um, uh, European uh, suppliers. Um, so that was kind of interesting. We have an article on our site about that. If you want to learn more about that. And yes, our listeners should go over to HPC Wire and get the full story on that. I agree. That's more than I really want to dive into on this <laughs> yeah, podcast on this as we're wrapping up all of ISC and we're not even done with top 500 yet. But yes, the Euro, all of these large scale procurements are fraught with potential problems. We'll come back around to some of the American ones uh, by the time we get through this podcast as well. You know, the interesting thing in this conversation we were talking about in one of the ISC hallways, which we'll also get to mention, uh, you know, conversation came up again about whether we've got too few vendors who can provide supercomputing at this top level. I actually have the opposite perspective. I think when you look at the number of vendors that have produced top 10, top 25 systems out there, sure, the American ones have all been uh, HPE recently, but we see, uh, and that's just on the DOE side, though. Dell is putting up uh, top 10, top 25 system just outside of Department of Energy. Atos is doing it, Fujitsu's doing it, Inspur. And now here's the other really interesting thing is we're seeing cloud companies that are now putting up really top tier systems, not just as hyperscale systems, like here's a portion of my hyperscale infrastructure that I happen to run Linpack on. A lot of the Chinese entrants on top 500 are really hyperscale and, and not targeted toward HPC, but we're starting to see cloud HPC infrastructure that's intentional to HPC that's that's running Linpack and getting on the top 500 list, most notably with four entries from Azure this time, and AWS has one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Azure stood up four of, the eight of its systems uh, for 66.4 petaflops total spread across spots 26 through 29, 26, 27, 28, 29. Uh, and then Amazon Web Services uh, refreshed its presence on the list via a customer, Descartes Labs, which and they 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 took a uh, spot forty um, for, for for that system. So, yeah, I think I think you know the list has its shortcomings, 
Uh, the top 500 list has its shortcomings, which I'm sure we've we've discussed at other. Points. It always has, though. Yeah, I mean, I know, it, it, right? what those but, shortcomings are vary year to year, but I think it's still a great list. It's yeah, still it's, very useful. Yeah, and to the point about the HPC cloud, so it's 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 see we see it here. It's still a, a a very good reflection of the big trends, and that's what we see here. This major trend re reflected here: the the rise of HPC cloud. You know, right. um, which is something I know you, you've covered. Oh, yeah, and I'll get to it again as uh, as we do a very quick market update refresh, and and we we published those market numbers recently. H HPC in the cloud is a huge trend, and I'll come, we'll come back around on that in in our market presentations. But uh, uh, that's why I really don't mind these systems because of that intentionality. These are HPC systems. These Azure systems they have InfiniBand. They're configured for HPC. HPC customers can go and rent them. So you know that's an HPC system. I actually have a lot more appetite for that than I do the systems further down the list that are, uh, you used to get enterprise systems that didn't really target HPC. Now you're getting cloud systems that don't target HPC, but you can run Linpack on them and get a high enough score and get up there. Okay, fine. That's always been part of the list. It doesn't mm -hmm. excite me, but these, uh, these AWS and Azure systems, I think are a different fish. And, and that Azure system has InfiniBands too. Right, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it does have InfiniBand. Yeah. Right, so that yeah. that is a, a real HPC system for HPC workloads. Okay, um, I mentioned China. You know, now there there are Chinese systems that are allegedly pretty well confirmed out there that are near the top of the list that are pre exascale. We've had a lot of pre exascale talk is part of this one of the things that's come up we're talking about exascale systems that we're going to get ready for that'll be the real changes potentially to the top of the list by the time we hit the next list in november we know we're waiting for the the frontier system in the united states which will presumably be the first true 64-bit exascale system for hpc um, we don't know for sure. We could have a Chinese system show up there. Before we start talking about those things, though, there was a little bit of news where there's now another reason we won't have the Aurora system for Argonne uh, this calendar year. We already previously talked about the slips in the Ponte Vecchio accelerators, but now it looks like there's a slip in the Sapphire Rapid CPUs as well. Yeah, so for some good news of some some good news from Intel there, they announced that there will be a Sapphire Rapids plus HB, HBM memory, which was um, widely you know, predicted or anticipated, but definitely welcomed overall. Um, and the, but then the day after that news, they announced that the, the Sapphire Rapids production had moved um, from late 2021 into the first half of 2022 with the ramp falling into the back half of 2022, uh, Intel says they're incorporating additional validation time prior to the production release. Now you might be thinking, well, hey, Sapphire Rapids is that's the CPU in Aurora, uh, the Argon um, system that's uh, forthcoming Argon uh, system Aurora. Uh, so this doesn't really. That thought did occur to me, yeah. yes, but, but the thing is that we were already delayed on that timeline because of the GPU. So this right. is another reason. Yeah. I, mean, I guess there's no official word that says we're not going to see the Aurora system in 2021, but it just no, seems no, extremely it's, unlikely. It's a, it's they Intel has officially confirmed it to me that they will deliver Aurora ah. to Argonne in 2022. So it doesn't change the timing per se, since it had already been pushed back on account of the, the seven nanometer data center GPU uh, process issues. Um, 
so yeah they that there's that, that they did say that there's it's still on track to be delivered to our It'll, we don't know exactly when in 2022 but no we don't it'll be interesting yeah. whether or not it goes in before el capitan uh which is right. the other exascale <laughs> you system brought up right away for. when that gpu slipped you said that's going to be the real thing to look out for yeah, exactly frontier could, has it, moved into pole position but what, what's going to be yeah the exactly exactly this is getting to where the argon system which was originally going to be first it, you know this was well in its first definition was a pre-exascale system as part of coral and then it's been redefined and pushed out and now it could become the the third u.s exascale system we mentioned uh the chinese exascale plans or we don't really know what the chinese exascale plans were all of these trends bring us to thomas sterling's always excellent closing keynote from isc we'll talk about all the keynotes briefly but i i really like thomas's talk again this year he referred to those chinese these exascale systems as the dragon in the room, I thought quite cleverly, or rather their pre-exascale systems. It gets a little muddy. This gets into what you and I were describing as our pet peeve with the term exascale. And, and Thomas was piling on to say, no, if you look at it this way, this current system is an exascale system because you can reduce the precision. It's an exascale for AI. It's an exascale for this. I don't know. I mean, you know, we're waiting for 64-bit exaflops really before I start waving the flag. We've had exabytes of data and exa this and exa that, but I think those are all amuse-bouches before we really get to the real exascale here. Yeah, I mean, com completely agree here. I hear more and more people, it's not not just Thomas, a lot of people stretching the definition yeah, of exascale. No, for sure, to say that we're already in the exascale era, or that system X um, is basically an exascale system, and we've talked about this before, moving the goalposts. I think that the, and I don't think it's necessary because I think that the lower and mixed precision advances are are excellent and worthwhile and worth celebrating. Um, so, but you just have to keep your def definitions clear. You know, hitting an exaflops of reduced precision is not this is just not the same thing as hitting an exaflops of FP sixty four double precision, and and that's okay. It doesn't take anything away from the achievements that people are, are doing. You know, I'm going to throw a curveball here, Tiffany, because something oh, no. just occurred to me when we were talking about these top 500 systems, something that came up in conversation to me uh, several times uh, was the uh, Tesla systems that you reported on in HPC Wire, and they decided not to submit, but those are out there also. Right, the, 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 the Tesla system and then that OpenAI um, system from, from Azure too. So it's funny, mm -hmm. so both of those were had been projected to be number five but only there's only one new number five system on the list and it's <laughs> right. So we didn't really prep that story for this live podcast, but it did occur to me and, and people were talking about it. That was a big part of the conversation. Also in Thomas's keynote, I appreciated that it was one of the real areas that we dove into COVID-19, which has been a dominant topic in high performance computing for the last, well, you know, almost a year and a half now. And, and it's, it's been affecting all aspects of our lives. It's been having a negative effect on the HPC market. It's been having a positive effect where HPC has been involved, supercomputing has been involved in the fight against COVID-19. I have appreciated that, that Thomas, when he talks, starts right away from the standpoint of what a tragedy it's been in people's lives and, and does not let us forget that point amidst all the other celebrations we could do around HPC achievements. Uh, I thought that was a, a nice place that, that we got to still recognize that as part of his keynote. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a good keynote. And then there were two other really important keynote talks as well. One from Professor Shao Sheng Zhu of TU Munich on 
really critical issue of uh, urban planning and how, how do we how do we successfully urbanize? And then Matthias Troyer of Microsoft on Quantum. And we have coverage of all three of those keynotes on our on our site, HP Square. Yeah, both excellent keynotes. The first one uh, from uh, Professor Jew looking at uh, AI and data science and Earth observation, just looking at the patterns of satellite. And I really appreciated that she discussed the resolution of data that was available in different scenarios and how you could track uh, buildings and usages and thermal expansion where of, of, uh, of buildings where you had fine enough grain data, I thought was very cool. The most important thing to me from uh, Matthias's uh, talk on quantum was his vision on using quantum processors as accelerators like you would with GPUs today. We were talking about that in one of the ISC hallways. To me, I understand what he means by GPU, and that's uh, fairly popular. I thought FPGAs were maybe a, a better analog in, the, in terms of the programmability aspect of them or lack of programmability, the difficulty in programmability of the quantum processors and the fact that they've been around a long time, but it, it's going to take a long time of a FPGAs have been around a long time. I'm expecting a similarly long ramp for quantum where, you know, where you get them programmed and they fit the application, you're going to see a very big benefit right away, but it could remain a small niche market for a long time, which is where we've seen FPGAs over the past couple of decades. So uh, th that's kind of my view on those um, keynotes, but there was a lot going on at, at ISC. I've already mentioned these ISC hallway conversations that that have been uh, uh, Andy Jones of Microsoft Azure uh, got started and, and they've taken place outside of ISC for a while. They got to bring that model uh, of casual conversation into uh, ISC. What, what were some of your other favorites? Yeah, I agree. Uh, shout out to uh, Andy Jones. I was um, I was impressed by the the Asian HPC sessions. I recommend checking those out. Hopefully those will be those recordings will be available. Uh, keep an eye on uh, Thailand, I would say. Um, also keep an eye on uh, Korea. They, um, they actually weren't part of the HPC in Asia panel. I was hoping they would be, but they weren't on there. Um, but they're look, they look to be working on an exascale plan based on a custom developed uh, Neoverse ARM etri processor. So you know, that, like, that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Um, and I'd also point uh, our, our audience to the 27th uh, HPC Connection Workshop that was held um, concurrent uh, with ISC, I believe it was on Monday. Um, and that is, is free to register for and some good presentations on there. Good tips for us as analysts to watch out for that. Uh, in terms of uh, some of the other things I liked, uh, one of the sessions I attended that I thought was very topical was, is memory becoming indistinguishable from storage, uh, moderated by John Schaff? Uh, I, that's a topic that I've been looking at as an analyst, just in terms of uh, tiering and you know what, what we're doing with on-node uh, memory and flash and burst buffers all the way out. So I thought it was very topical. Um, the student cluster competition is always loads of fun and uh, congratulations to all the winners again there and uh, Dan Olds on our side is one of the judges and that's in partnership with the HPC AI Advisory Council. I guess the last thing that I would say was I, I thought the ISC community and the platform that they had for this were actually 
quite good. I found it nice for interacting with people. There was a lot of chat going on during the events. You could make connections. I thought as far as virtual platforms go, this is about the best I've been able to interact with. It had, it did have a couple of technical issues early on, but overall aces. Yeah, absolutely. It was, one, it was best, best um, platform that I've interacted with since, you know, we've been in this whole virtual era. So really kudos to the ISC group for, for everything that they've done. It just, it was, it was, Pretty flawless, um, or nearly flawless, which is is, is a high, um, about as good as you can say for the digital platforms in general, right? Um, I'll, I'll also highlight uh, there was a good session on Risk Five uh, for HPC. There was, on, yeah, on Monday, um, and then the there was a distinguished talk from Jean-Marc Denis. He is EPI chair and Atos head of strategy. Um, so he gave a featured talk, getting into the challenges of extreme scale and describing a vision for a modular CPU-centric approach in Europe. Um, as you know, Europe is aiming to stand up a, a custom ARM chip system, the, the RIA chip uh, for this um, in domestic um, um, system in 2023, 2024. And then they um, intend to switch to, the plan is to switch to RISC-V after that. So they have a, a development with RISC-V too. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And, and you mentioned uh, Mateus uh, Troyer on the quantum and the quantum accelerator. Well, that's part of this modular approach. So if you look at what um, uh, ULIC Supercomputing Center is doing, they have an exascale like, prototype design going on. And there's, there's a placeholder there for a quantum accelerator on that, on that design. Um, and I, I hear maybe, maybe they will be, they're, they're the site being looked at for that exascale system. Uh, and then the other thing I just have to say is I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm, I'm really impressed and, and touched by uh, the generosity that I've seen from the HPC community and the, the well-known HPC leaders putting the spotlight on students and the next generation. I mean, that, that's a really strong value in our, our community to, to be promoting the next generation. I think we should recognize that. I and mean, there's, there's, there's so many examples of that. Um, just just one I mean, one out of the many that caught my attention was during the HPC in Asia session where, where David Keys of Kaos just um, had so many um, students that were, were being promoted and advanced out of this program. So kudos to, to all these folks um, being so so generous uh, with their, their time and mentoring. I completely agree. And I think it's so worthwhile that the students were able to interact with the full conference in as much depth uh, as they were able to. Uh, when I was online moderating the various vendor panels, the panel content, of course, is pre-recorded. We do that with a lot of videos uh, for these virtual conferences. But I was online in the chat during all of those sessions uh, and fielding live questions, doing chat with people. And the students were all involved, uh, sort of at an equal level with everybody else. And, and I thought that was extremely worthwhile while. So not just the student cluster competition, but the opportunities and outreach, I agree, were very well done for ISC and so crucial to the future of our industry. Now, you and I were both taking the same approach. I appreciated that the, the, 
the content, although we're in Germany, it was more or less compressed into, into a, a, a tight bar of about six hours that started at one in the afternoon in Central European time and went into the evening. So you could start at 7 a.m. if you were on the East Coast. You and I are time zone disadvantaged in California. But I know you took the same approach I did and just say, well, that's going to be my time zone this week. I was pretty much working starting at four o'clock in the morning every day. And, uh, and it was completely worth while I think that's the way you, you know to really immerse yourself in a conference you want it to be that way and uh, I know you were doing it too I found it to be yep. valuable yeah I thought that was that was a good good decision to kind of condense it there so you know even though we had to get up early it was it was doable and and, and, and it certainly was one more thing to mention before we switch gears uh, the green 500 that was another session very well attended a lot oh, of yeah, lot I forgot of people to mention that the on the 500. Top um, yeah uh, t- Japanese system for, uh, by preferred networks. Custom Accelerator optimized for deep learning. They reclaimed the top spot uh, with um, nearly 30 gigaflops per watt up from 26. Uh, and uh, remember that DARPA ta- target is 50 gigaflops per watt. So um, I think we might we might see, and we might see Frontier hit it. More on that another time. Yeah, we might get there after all. So as yep. great as the online community was and, and all of the interaction online, I would still prefer to be there in person. We're looking forward to, to getting back to a live ISC, maybe in Frankfurt. We don't know the exact dates or the exact location yet for ISC 2022, but I, for one, will be there and looking forward to it, Tiffany. Me too. I will be looking forward to it as well. Um, I see some questions coming in from folks. We're going to get to those in a little bit, but first we're going to switch gears and That's we're right. going to so, conclude the podcast portion of our, <laughs> more, of our event. More on all of these stories. Our listeners can get to stories on HBC wire, of course. And uh, as part of this live event, we are going to get to live Q and a first, I'm going to switch up to a very brief market update presentation. Now, if you're listening to this as a podcast later on, and you're sad that you're missing the market update, you can get that on the intersect 360 research website at intersect 360.com slash presentations, not this 20 minute version I'm about to do, but the, the full webinar that we presented earlier on. So all of this information available to our listeners, congratulations. Congratulations again to ISC. Tiffany, thanks for joining me there and to all of our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. This is This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.